Welcome to Mihinte on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. Good evening. Buenos noches. I hope all are doing well out there in the listening world. We are here in Saginaw, Michigan, in the Great Lakes Bay region, and we have a great community. There is a lot of history in our region, and part of that history includes a vibrant Latino community. Today, I want to give homage to a man who was very active in Saginaw and lived a great life. His name was Gilberto Olivares, and he was part of a popular group called the Latin Messengers, a group he founded with his brothers, Willie and Eddie, also known as the Olivares Brothers, who ministered throughout their musical careers for 36 years. Sadly, at the age of 86, Gilberto passed away from this earth this past June 29th. But what a legacy he left. They recorded albums and traveled throughout Mexico, the United States, and Canada sharing their faith. And let's listen for a moment. I want my listening audience to listen to their sound, their unique sound from Gilberto himself also talking about the genesis of the Latin Messengers.
Wow. In 2013, the Union Civica Mexicana honored the Latin messengers with the Adelante Legacy Award, and that is where that audio comes from. And I want to make a correction. Uh, I said Eddie Olivares, but it's actually Ernie Olivares that was part of the group who was the brother of Gilberto. And today I have two of Gilberto's sons joining us to talk about their dad. We welcome Danny and Patrick Olivares. Gentlemen, thank you for being with us today on Mi Gente On Air. It's our privilege, our honor. Thank you. Well, first of all, let me uh, offer my condolences. Uh, your father just passed away within the last month, and, um, you know, I know that you guys were uh, really close to him and were there for him in the end, and he lived a long life, 86 years. So I, I want to ask and start with asking you, what do you feel when you hear that music today? For me, and this is uh, Danny talking, I, I just feel awesome to hear the what my father and, and his two uncles produced and what they dedicated themselves to the the music that they played the the songs they sang they uh they they just testify of uh lives that were committed to god it's pretty powerful it's very moving and, and can you tell us when they actually started what year? And I know they. I, when I asked your father how long he had been singing with the Latin messengers, he said 36 years. So what is the time frame from what years to what years? Well, he started, they started in 1967, and uh, they got really strong in, in the very first part of 68, and uh, and they just went on, and I don't know when they really quit because they they were forced to because of age, and um, so they just kind of phased out over the end of the end of the years. But they went strong for uh, thirty six years. Wow, what a, what a testament to their faith and and to giving that glory to God all those years. And I, I just want to mention the church, um, Patrick, that they started with, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Latin American Assembly of God. Was that during the time when Pastor uh, Gomez was there, Fred Gomez? Uh, it was uh, Pastor uh, uh, Zeferino Cabello. Oh, okay. That was the pastor at that time, yes. Because I, I know there's a long history there on... Uh, that church, which is on, I believe, 17th Street inside? Yes, yes 17th, yes. yep. Yes, and yep. That, that and is, it's still going strong today, um, and it's Harvest Assembly of God today here in Saginaw. Yep, yep, they changed the name to Harvest Assembly, yes. Well, th thanks to Calvary, uh, in that song, that particular song, I hear your dad's voice very clearly. And he wrote those songs of praise and, you know, with just such great melodies and, and rhythms that they were known for. And I, I remember being in high school, you know, back in uh, the early 80s in Bridgeport and hearing so much about the Latin messenger. So, I mean, this, you know, it's, it's kind of when I hear the music as well today, it brings back memories, you know, of my youth. So d do you, either of you, uh, can you tell us and recall the heyday of the Latin messengers? Well, they they had uh, quite a few of them. Um, they really got strong. Uh, 69 and on was 
we were booked. I, I was privileged to be able to play with them for four years. And we would play every Friday night and Saturday night in a different church location, each one. And then we would try to book Sunday morning and Sunday night in a different location. And they did that. I was with them for four years without miss. I I can't remember how many times I was in church uh, on 17th because we were always on the road. Um, they didn't stop till probably 78 where they started playing maybe twice a week instead of the four times. So it was it was very strong. Wow. Um, the second heyday is when their younger brother joined them, um, who had been uh, very active in, in rock and roll bands and stuff. And then he joined them, and he's the one singing there on Mama's Last Day Men, the lead. Um, and what was his but name? But he changed the style. Sammy. Sammy, okay. Sammy Olivares. Yeah, Sammy Olivares, yeah. So that was another big heyday, and... Um, they just continued for for that, but you know it's sad they had to get old, <laughs> yeah. And uh, or they, their strength would have kept them going, you know. And all the time they did that, they kept their full time jobs with uh, General Motors. And, um, my dad uh, was a car salesman at that time too, so. Wow, he um, sure did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, he let's did. <laughs> let's listen to his story a little more from uh, the Adelante Award video. I want to I want to I want you to hear a little bit where he sings thanks to Calvary and talks a little bit more about uh, the Latin messengers. Okay. Corpus Christi, Texas, when Gilberto Olivares met Ophelia Campbell as migrant workers in 1952. He was a truck driver and she was picking cotton. He was 17, she was 15. They moved to Saginaw, Michigan because they were underage and didn't have a job. Buying bus tickets, they arrived with 40 cents in their pockets. Today I saw. Like so many families searching for that American dream, Bethel found a job at the Gray Iron Plant. He and Ophie welcomed their firstborn, Robert, in 1952, followed by Danny, Hilda, and Patrick. I tried to tell them Thanks to Calvary I don't come here anymore I wrote this song when I got converted and uh, I didn't understand what happened. And the Holy Spirit had me wrapped up in a way of uh, uh, just just beautiful. He grabbed a hold of my heart and really changed my, my life. And uh, I told Mike Luna, the, the band leader that I was with, that <clears throat> I needed a song to praise God all the time. So we got together and uh, we come up with Señor Calabaré. Si yo pudiera comprender lo que sufriste tú por mí. Si yo pudiera comprender lo que sufriste tú por mí. No bastaría en ser... 
the best thing that happened is that we got invited to a lot of churches. They started inviting us to other churches and then other states and then it just went on and on and on and on. So we went cross country and played in Canada and Mexico and we were, we were just on demand all the time. We were blessed. We were blessed. How long did you guys play for as a group? We played for about 36 years together, three brothers together. I know the end is near and so I fade. With 15 albums recorded and hundreds of songs, Los Hermanos Alivares are leaving quite a legacy. It is a testament to their faith how truly blessed they have been witnessing God's hand in their ministry. Hallelujah. Thank you to the Latin messengers for your service to your community. Adelante. I've traveled each and every highway, but more, much more than this, I did it your way. Wow, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm emotional over here in the Alpha <laughs> studio, so <laughs> I got I got goosebumps, man. I'm oh. over here just crying right <laughs> i can only, I can only wow. imagine yeah i it's you know i i'm stuttering here for my words because i am emotional but can you tell me a little bit about um your mom and dad way back do do you recall what drew them actually to saginaw from texas i i remember my dad talking about it to us and and uh his his cousin hector uh the los santos called him and told him that uh, there was a lot of work over here in, in michigan mm-hmm and at General Motors, so um, Hector uh, borrowed him some money, and him and him and my mom got in the car, and they drove up here, and they landed in Pontiac, and then uh, they ended up uh, moving to Saginaw after that, and and getting hired in the Gray Iron plant, and um, they lived with Hector for a short time, and and then um, I remember my dad saying later that he called his dad, and says, hey get over here, you know, and, and, um, that's when our whole family, the Olivares family moved to, to Saginaw. Wow. Wow. And you know, I want to, I want to mention that again, that your parents were just teens and, uh, it mm -hmm. was, they were like 16 and 17 years old. And I mean, who does that at that age comes all the way, you know, the track across the country like that and, you know, to, to make a, a new life. So, I mean, Wow, they they really did something, Danny. Do, do you have any right. recollection of your um, of Mother's Day, nineteen sixty seven, when your family walked into the Latin American Assembly of God? Can you tell me anything? Oh, about that? oh yeah, I, I can. Uh, but um, what I tell you, my my parents moved from the valley. They actually got on a bus and took a bus and got to Pontiac. But I remember that day. Mother's Day, May 14th, 1967. I was uh, 13 years old, going into the ninth grade at Ricker Junior High School. And uh, we, 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 we had a, a great life. There was, there was great times, but then there were difficult times. And, and those hard times, uh, didn't know how to control those hard times. And basically, it was because of a lot of uh, 
drinking that my dad was doing and and it caused a lot of problems so one day he's talking with his his mother my grandma uh, alicia olivares and uh he makes her a promise to go to church she she i guess i don't know how she twisted his arm but uh he made the promise and that sunday morning he came to our room we had uh our, the boys bedroom where bob and Patrick and myself had our beds, and he said, you guys get up, and I'll be back. He says, and you better be up and dressed to go to church in two minutes. And he returned, and he was very upset. Well, we didn't get out of bed. We, It was a, a, a shock to us, like, we're going to get up and go where? <laughs> but um, he, um, he, he was angry, but it was a nervous type of anger because he had made a promise and he didn't know what to expect uh, going to the church. But he explained to us, he's, we're going to church and we're going to meet our grandparents there. We're, we're going to go. And we didn't have a choice in the matter. And uh, he got to church. We understood later you know, when he told me that uh, the reason why he was so nervous, because he worked with some of the people from the church at Gray Iron, and he was not the kindest person to them. Um, so he, he ended up going to church, and it may have been really difficult to get there, but God touched his life, and it turned everything around. And from that day, that Sunday morning, uh, we never stopped going to church. He never backed off from it, and it changed his life. And... Um, but I have to say that one of the greatest experiences was that Sunday the church received us. We were we're pretty rough if, uh, on the edges, put it that way, and they received us uh, as family, and they made us part of the church family. So I, I contribute that to uh, why my dad was able to change his life. Wow, what a story. What a, what a testament to the whole Olivares family, and I know that um, your brother, or your father's brother, Ernie, was a part of the church initially as well with your grandparents, yes. correct? Yes. Wow. And then Willie and Willie and his family, uh, my Aunt Sita and my Uncle Willie, they were there, and uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to us because um, it turned our lives around, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm sure. Como, como dice el dicho, I'm sorry. Como uh, dice el dicho, de la nada a un palacio. That's what happened to us. Wow, wow. And I'm sure the pastors there at the church. Uh, I mean, they they must have been thrilled that you had, you know, a, a family that was contributing musically with you know yes. your uncles and your father. I mean, that just really probably took it to the next level. And I and I know that's that's something similar happened at St. Joseph Catholic Church with the Fulgencio brothers um, that really added okay. to the, the musical ministry of the church. So, I mean, that, that's just really beautiful, beautiful to me. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you, um, what, do you, what do you think, what comes to your mind um, when, when, you, when you think of the Latin messengers today and their legacy? Well, uh, when my dad started going to church, the family complimented the other families that were there that were already musical, the, 
the Ortegas. Uh, uh, that was just awesome in the Gamas. Everybody was, it was a very musical church. And so we got there and, and we were just another group that formed in the church. Um, but this group stayed then, uh, while the other groups, some of them moved to California, their, their groups, uh, didn't continue there in Saginaw. But, um, when I think of a legacy, I, I think of how they complemented each other in their music and how they, they, um, it was like a God thing. They put them together. Willie could preach and, and, and just MC the whole thing and, and that was his talent, and he played a very uh, strong rhythm guitar. And uh, Ernie was just—he Ernie is the guy that uh, if he's going to do something, he's going to do it uh, all the way. And so he just dove into learning music, and before you know it, he's playing every instrument and, and playing them well. And my dad carried him with the bass, and he had experience of performing uh, outside of the church, so. They complemented each other, and, and they made many sacrifices. Uh, you don't have a legacy just because they sacrificed. They had their full-time uh, employment, and, and, and then they would, Fridays, we'd take off and, uh, and go and play. Well, they did it before me, and they continued after me. They just committed themselves to doing it. And I know that there were many times that it was difficult getting to their destination but I remember more than uh, what I can remember. It's just over and over the satisfaction they had after uh, the service was over, and they know that they touch people's lives. So wow. uh, the legacy is just how they sacrificed and it, and and just hung in there. It's not an easy road. <laughs> right, right. And fifteen albums later, and hundreds of songs. Is there is there any particular song that comes to mind that you know evokes a strong feeling or a strong memory for you, Patrick? Uh, it, it, uh, or how about how about you, Danny? Well, for me, it's uh, the song. One of them that he was singing there, "Thanks to Calvary, I Don't Live Here Anymore," and he's talking yeah. about a man who changed his life. He's not uh, the same old man he used to be. Uh, another song is Señor Te Alabaré that him and Miguel Luna uh, were able to put together and how my dad just, he sang that uh, as a praise to the Lord. And uh, you know, Mama's Last Amen, they honored their parents. Yes, yes, they did. Well, you know, it's it's nice that we were able to hear some of those in, in the audio from the Adelante Awards. And uh, we're going to come right back. We're, we're going to go into commercial, and we're going to continue this conversation with Patrick and Danny Olivares as they give homage to their father, the late Gilberto Olivares, and the Latin Messengers. We'll be back. This is Mihinta on Air on WSGW. Yeah, mira nomás. 
que es mamacita Yo no sé You're listening to The Hinte On Air on WSGW. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. I want to thank the Alivores brothers that are here with us today to help me give homage and honoring their father, the late Gilberto Olivares, because what a what a individual this man was. What contributions he made to the Saginaw community. Not only did he, you know, work at the plant, at the Gray Iron plant, where so many of our uh, elders, you know, they came, a lot of them as migrant workers, and ended up working at the plant because there was jobs. There was jobs in Saginaw. And he went on to uh, change his life and attended the Latin American Assembly of God and formed with his brothers the Latin Messengers. But he also was very involved with the Union Civica Mexicana, and he was a Sunday school teacher, men's ministry director, deacon, and sectional sectional men's director of the district. And as president of the Union Civica Mexicana, he was in the heyday, what I would call the heyday of the Civica, because uh, it was very uh, active, and he was also part of the Hispanic Business Association, as well as Christian Business Fellowship. And so I really want to ask... Either of you, what do you, what do you think drove your father to be so involved in the community in Saginaw? What I remember of, of Dad is, um, you know, he he loved people, and and he always was willing to um, help anyone out, and and uh, he would join these organizations and and just um, you know do whatever he could to uh, make it better, or you know help out make suggestions um and he just he just loved uh, doing that type of stuff i remember even you know uh, just recently uh you know maybe um 10 months ago uh he was was picking up food and delivering it to people you know and it, it was just his nature okay we, we lost you there for a minute pat he was saying that he uh picked up uh, was he was delivering food and if if he was doing that like 10 months ago that's during 2020 during the pandemic i mean right right <laughs> that's incredible yes and, and and he he would he would get food and and you know he was already you know 86 years old 80 you know and and you would he would load up his his car and and uh he would go to people's houses and knock on the door and and uh give him you know a box of food and and he would do that religiously i mean all the time and i'm like dad you know you, stuff is heavy <laughs> he says i got it i got it you don't worry about it you know and um it just uh, just just loved people and and just loved helping people and i think that's what drove him the most you know because um uh people loved him you know, in the beginning of, of, of him changing his life, and, and he just couldn't hold hold it in, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I, I have to mention this. In in 2008, I joined the Union Civica Mexicana, and I remember at the meetings that we had, uh, even, you know, a couple years into it, your father and uh, Mr. Antonio Rodriguez, who were both past presidents of the Union Civica Mexicana, they came to the Civica at one of our meetings, and um, 
you know, they they were they were making a lot of suggestions and helping those of us who were taking the rain, you know, for the next generation. And we really appreciated that because um, sometimes long term organizations like the Union Civica Mexicana, they need that advice from our elders. And this year we're celebrating 76 years. So there's a long history of, awesome. of those that uh, have That's been nice. contributing. And I, I want to make sure that um, uh, people understand as well that I was really touched um, when I went to the interview with Gilberto Olivares in his home uh, because I didn't know at that time in 2013 that he actually knew my grandfather. And they, oh, they both um, worked in the gray iron plant. And it was just really amazing to me how things came uh, full circle. And I want you to hear an audio that uh, he and I had in, in the interview and in the conversation leading up to the Adelante Awards where I learned so much and I was just, I was just so taken. So let's hear Gilberto Olivares in 2013 when he talks about how he got involved with the Union Civica Mexicana. Okay, so well, first tell me, how did you get involved with the Civica initially? Okay, back in the 50s, I got a job with General Motors in 52, and uh, I met Joe Diaz, which you say is your grandfather, and uh, he was a great help to me. And the, the, they had just started the Union Civica, I started in the 40s, you know, but he was president at the time and he invited me to the meetings and uh, I got interested and started going off and on. Uh, I became a member and I was in and out through the, through the 50s and 60s. And then in 1979, I became president of the Union Civica. And that's when former President Carter came to the Union Civica. And behold, I had an errand to run at that time when he came. And uh, my vice president took a picture with him and while I was gone because I wasn't there. So I missed that chance. And it come out in the paper, you know. And uh, uh, and who was that vice president? Was that Mr. Reese? Joe Garza was the oh, okay. vice president, yeah. And, uh, like I said, I had to run an errand, and, and he took the picture. They waited for me, but I was out out of the picture, you know. See, then and now. Uh, uh, then after that, on the '60s, I, I joined Mike Luna and the Satellites, you know. Uh, uh, also, as members, you know, in the '70s, when I became president, we had former President Carter, and uh, we did a lot of a lot of. Uh, recruiting for the Nam Civica and I really liked it because we got together with Mexican Mexican people you know and, and uh, we I enjoyed it and uh, that's how I became the president and well you know years go by and go by and go by and, but uh, Mr. Diaz helped me a lot and that's you know when uh, Miramontes was there too, and uh, other Alvarado, and you know, all the old guys. And uh, it's amazing, I never took a picture, you know, they're all over in the Rancho Grande. And uh, I was out <laughs> doing errands, you know. Well, you know, it, it's it's so, uh, you know, hearing that, you know, what, seven, eight years later, maybe nine years later already, 
I re- I recall that very vividly because I was thinking about how when Jimmy Carter came, pres- former President Jimmy Carter, he he was actually running for president at the time. And it was uh, September 16th, I believe 1978 or 79, during Hispanic Heritage Month. And they broadcasted live from the Union Civica Mexicana across the nation because he wanted to, you know, uh, stomp for his candidacy as president and wanted to connect with the, the, the Mexican, the, the Latino community in the United States. So, I mean, that was really, really a memorable time. And from from that visit with Jimmy Carter, uh, I want people to understand that the Union Civica Mexicana, as we know it today, uh, the monies that were raised during the Jimmy Carter visit, where he actually wore a sombrero, um, that helped double the Union Civica Hall on Wadsworth. Because it was a lot smaller. It was half the size that it is today. But with the proceeds from that visit and under the leadership of Gilberto Olivares, it doubled in size as we know it today. So, wow, what a, what a, what a legacy that in itself. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, is, it is a shame that there was no picture of him uh, with Jimmy Carter because everybody else in the, in the pictures that we do have from the Saginaw News is in those pictures. And, and that really was a historic time. For not only Saginaw, but the Union Civica Mexicana, and to have, you know, somebody who went on to become the president of the United States at our hall at twenty-seven fifteen Wadsworth. So, what what a what a beautiful memory that is. Do you, do either of you recall that time? I remember um, him talking about it and 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 saying that uh, Jimmy Carter was coming. And that uh, he he missed the picture, and and he was like, well, you know, that's life. That's how it goes. You you yeah. you get some, and and some you miss, you know. And and he just moved on from it. But he uh, it, it was one of his little stories, you know, that he would he would bring up once in a great while. Yeah, and you know, in, in hindsight, today as as we have lived through so so much now, uh, you know, politically in this country now. Do either of you remember when uh, Jimmy Carter said, my name is Jimmy Carter and I'm running for president? <laughs> I, I just remember Loretta Lynn saying it's finally, it's about time we have somebody in the office without an accent. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I understand that your dad was also a DJ and, uh, you know, I just, this just came to me recently, known as El Amigo de Pueblo, right here in the WSGW radio station here at Alpha Media Studios. I, I'm not sure if when he was part of that, if it was at this location where I'm at today, but I didn't know that, that he shared gospel and Spanish music. What can you tell us about that? Well, I remember my dad being cutting edge. They, he loved music, and... Um, for the longest time, it was a very traditional type of music. Uh, but then, uh, with his connections, uh, some of the people he knew, um, they, they, they came out with gospel music, con la acordeón, playing the, the button accordion. And um, he started putting that on. It was a little controversial at the beginning, but the music was great, and there were... Uh, several groups like uh, Paulino Bernal and Tony Salceda and, uh, and different groups that were coming out with the accordion music and mm-hmm. he just enjoyed 
putting it on there and just letting the, the, the people of the community know there's a God out there that loves you and, and, uh, and just how big of a difference he can make coming into a person's life. So he committed himself to that, uh, did that for, for many years. So, uh, I think he was cutting edge because, uh, he put on the Norteño music, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're, and you're talking some heavy players, uh, you know, names, historical names, yeah. the music of, of the Latino community. And I've heard those names throughout yeah. my life. And, um, yeah. that's just really beautiful that I didn't know that he was on WSGW and, uh, it, it was probably on a Sunday evening or Sunday, um, afternoon. And, um, how long did he do that? I believe it was on a Sunday afternoon and, and I know he did it for, for many years, but I moved out of Saginaw and I, I lost contact. So I, I have no clue how long it was. I don't know if uh, Patrick, my brother knows or, but it was for yeah, many, many years. I think he did it for 10 years plus. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a commitment. Believe me, mm -hmm. I, know, I know now. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. With this program, Mijente on Air, I, I know what a commitment that is. And so I, I really give him uh, kudos um, for doing that because it's important that we have a voice at the table as well, you know, and to know that he was doing that um, at a time when it was more difficult um, than yeah. it is today. So kudos to him. What what is What would you say is the most uh, that you remember about your father in terms of of life lessons and you can and you can share a story if you have one or if you if whatever comes to mind well my dad if i were to talk about him i would say that he'd be a testimony of change what he did is um he 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 went from wasting his money in the bars to investing his money in the church um I've seen my dad, um, there was a lot of anger uh, when, when he was drunk, there was a lot of anger um, and rage, really, because of prejudices and stuff. And, but when, when he started going to church, he changed. And I, I vividly remember him telling us all the time, we're going to change, we're going to change, and we're going to change. And I would say that... Uh, you know, what he did is by going to church Sunday after Sunday, uh, the Word of God uh, connected with his heart and, and helped him through that process of change. Um, what he had in his mind was breaking the cycle of poverty uh, and the cycle of a dysfunctional family. Um, you know, the Hispanic people are, are, are our culture is non combatant. We don't like to. To, to really be a, a, a vocal voice, the visible voice, we're, we're just kind of okay to just go along with the flow. Um, my dad helping, I remember going on Sunday afternoons to migrant camps and, and working with the people, uh, holding church with them. We have guitars and accordion, uh, the, the, the piano type accordion. And we do music out there. And it was his greatest joy to connect with people doing the work that he grew up doing and offering them an opportunity. Hey, we can do better. Keep your kids in school and, 
um, so he 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 didn't for he never forgot his roots, and he always tried to extend a helping hand uh, to 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 help people better their lives, you know. And I know it always saddened him to think about how hard, how difficult uh, it was for people to work in the fields. And he just, he always wanted better for them, you know. Um, We worked in the fields for years, but it was because we wanted to to save money to get ahead. It was not our livelihood. My dad and mom had their jobs. Mom worked at Ray's Grocery. Dad worked at the Gray Iron. So we wanted to help buy school clothes and stuff, and that's what we did during the summers. Um, his goal always was you can work with uh, your hands or you can work with your brain. Learn to work with your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he his life lessons were practical. A man who went up to the eighth grade didn't finish the eighth grade um, he turned things around. His his greatest goal was to turn our home around. Yes, yes, and you know he he was an example to many other men in the Saginaw community as well as myself. And just to, by his example, you know, was a positive uh, attribute that I would say was you know one of his legacies as well. You know, when 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 I heard of your father's passing, um, the first thing I thought of was your grandmother. You know, because I remember. Mm-hmm him in our interview when he said, you know, our, our, our mothers always pray for us, you know, and that that she was praying for a conversion of his heart, you know, with, with her, her savior, our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and it happened, you know, and, and then, and then that song that they wrote, uh, what was it? My mother's, um, last amen. And mama's last last amen. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of when, you know, he passed, I thought, what a, what a great reunion that must be. You know, with her, with his mother, his father, and all his loved ones. So, I'm I'm happy that uh, his faith carried him all through his life, and that he continued to believe and set that example for so many. And I know that that's something that I also see with his his children and and some of his grandchildren. So, what what a legacy, you know. I'd like to add one thing, Larry, if I may. Um, the the one thing that really stood out about my dad uh, to me is that uh, when he made the decision to change his life and 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 um, he he never he never went back to his old lifestyle and you know um, he just completely made that commitment to the Lord to his to himself to his family to um, you know, and and he stuck with it, and and I'm sure he had many times of, of, uh, you know, wanting to take another drink or, or have another cigarette or whatever it was, but you know, he he held on to uh, to his commitment, and and that is that is one thing that um, I'm so um, proud of my dad and and honored, you know. Mm-hmm. That that he made that change, and and like Danny had said, it it changed our it changed our whole family, not just our immediate family, but others, you know, in our family also. Yes, yes, he planted that seed. And yep. How how is your mom Ophie doing these days? And also also your sister Hilda, how is she doing? 
You know, doing my doing mom, good. yeah, they're doing good. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Mom and dad were married for, uh, what is it, 69 years. Wow. They, they lived a life together. She was 15 when they got married, and he was 17. So they had each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for her, I'm sure... Uh, part of her heart is buried uh, in my dad's grave, you know. But um, the good news is they're going to see each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we all get to heaven, it's going to be a great reunion. Um, but that's, I remember talking to my dad before he died, and and I would say, you know, well, Dad, you know, I don't want you to die. And this is when he was somewhat stronger, and, he said, hey, I gave my life to Christ for a reason, so that when I would die, I know where I would be going. Amen. And uh, so, you know, my, my dad's legacy is that he took Jesus home. And, uh, you know, life was great. Like I said, we had great times. Dad was a great family man, but he also had the, the vicio, the that, that the, the drinking would take control of him. And him and mom had a lot of things to fix when they started going to church. And uh, they were strong. They were there for each other. And I'm, I'm so glad that they hung in there and, and worked through those changes and allowed uh, the word of God that was being preached and taught to change their lives. And so what my dad did, in, in my opinion, is he took, Jesus, he took Jesus home, and Jesus made the difference in all our lives. And to me, people want to be a hero. I'm, I'm proud of what my dad accomplished. I'm proud that they were singing music everywhere. I'm proud that he was involved in the community, con la Unión Civica Mexicana. I'm proud of all of that. But the biggest thing in my mind is my dad became a hero at home. And when you can establish that in your home, everything else you do is a compliment. But you need to take it home. You need to be a hero at home. And so that that makes me very proud of him. I've been away from my parents for the last 40-some years in ministry. And I I never dreamed of becoming a minister, but it's not me. It's God answered their prayers that their children would change. And... And so I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful, very grateful to, to the Lord for what he has done in our home and for touching my dad's life, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but my dad almost lost his life in a fight, uh, got stabbed in the back a couple of times. And, um, you know, my dad told me real clear, and uh, he said the first thing he did when he started going to church was he got a hold of that man and I could say his name I just don't want to be offensive but he says the first thing I did was tell him I forgive you you'll never have to worry about it again wow wow what a story well you know we're coming to the end of the show here and I just I want to make sure that we play a, a final audio uh, because he talks about when he received the Adelante award and what it actually meant to him let's hear one last time from the late Gilberto Olivares after all these years, you were the president of the Union Civica Mexicana and you're being awarded the Legacy Award from this organization. Tell me what your thoughts are about that. Oh, 
I, I don't have no words of appreciation, really, because I, I really, really am very proud that, that I'm being interviewed, and, and uh, it's just a great, great day for me to be awarded the legacy. Never in, in, in my mind would I have that, you know, that, uh, and this is what you get, the prize reward, the rewards that come after, you know. God blesses in many different ways, and God uses people in many different ways. So there you have it, our homage to the late Gilberto Olivares, who passed away this past June at the age of 86. What a legacy. Thank you to his sons, Patrick and Danny, for being with us today to talk about their father. Until next week, I'm your host, Larry Rodarte, talking Latino culture concerns and contributions. Stay safe, everybody. Hasta luego.